Let's welcome everybody into the Real Kipper and Bourne Show. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee. I'm starting to get my pipes back a little bit. You sound good. Better. You sound good. Not all the way there yet, though. Just, no, you're not quite Celine Dion like usual. <laughs> <laughs> Did she get snubbed by Taylor Swift, yes or no? Oh, honestly, I didn't even see it. Was that a thing? Yes. I, I'm so glad I don't know what you're talking no about. No Grammys oh. for you guys. <laughs> I, I, Background. I played hockey on Sunday night, and I came home, and I saw uh, Miley Cyrus perform. Yes. Loved it. Yes. And I saw uh, Tracy Chapman and Luke oh, Combs yeah. perform. Loved okay, it. off the but charts. That, but that's all I saw. Off the charts moment. Awesome. Really great. Tracy. Yeah. She rules. She yeah. nailed it. Yeah. Uh, as far as the snub... Apparently, Taylor just went and grabbed the Grammy from Celine Dion, who was presenting. Oh, and she, she didn't grabbed honor it. the great Celine? She she grabbed it like I was presenting it to her. <laughs> she was like, here, you peon, yeah, give me that. Yeah, scram beat it. Yeah. yeah, It's my moment now. Oh, that's too bad. Well, there's a lot going on. Yeah. And she's, so, she's, yeah, she's about to announce her next album. Which I'm maybe sure she'll we'll give her the about. benefit of the doubt. It's almost like... Uh, Gary robbing away all the Canadian hockey teams. It's like it's Gary as <laughs> Gary as Taylor Swift and Celine Dion as poor old Canada with no more teams. So well, sad. we're glad everybody's on board for today's uh, version of the Nick or the Nick Kiprio show. Can you guys <laughs> tell us how you really just, feel? About it. Just, <laughs> go away, guys. I got I've got God. this all by myself. Buddy, I'll take a day off. In fact, we do have a real Kipper and Born show. <laughs> Sportsnet 590, Sportsnet 360, Sportsnet Plus from 4 to 6. Wherever you're watching or listening, we're we're glad you're with us. And you can always download us wherever you, you get your pod or uh, go to YouTube. Mm-hmm. We're Sammy, we're, we're, we're part of again. I just found out that's where my mom takes in our show. She watches the, the YouTube daily show. Awesome stuff. I, I went to the YouTube page. I went to the YouTube page yesterday to check out uh, our show from yesterday to grab a clip of me. Talking about Connor McDavid loving Toronto to upload to my TikTok account that I'm trying to grow. How many people did you piss off? A lot. Yeah. But that's beside the point. A lot of people watch our show on YouTube, boys. Is that right? I was like, okay, I guess uh, I guess we're a popular show everywhere. I know. I'm sorry that we're not in the chat like we used to be. Yeah, that was fun. Those are the good old days. So for all of you that uh, are watching on YouTube, uh, we miss you and we love you. So there Absolutely. you go. Absolutely. All right. I got to admit, mm. watching the Leafs. Last night against the New York Islanders, late in the third, Pierre Engvall scores, and the first person I think of is our Sammy. Yeah, who said on the show when discussing who to bet on, bet on Engvall scoring. Can I be the first to say having a Pierre Engvall tribute is embarrassing? I know I'm not even a tribute, but just even acknowledging, welcome back, Pierre. Thank you for the four years. He didn't do, he wasn't in the army he didn't devote his service. They paid him. When, when did this happen? I mean, Pierre Engvall's getting a shout-out? Come on. It's, he's not the first average guy to play and leave. No. So when <laughs> did this happen? <laughs> no, he's not. When did this happen? I don't know. Justin Hall got one earlier this year. Wait, this is the ultimate this is. participation Award. You should have to show up on a list, a top 10 list. He's 10th in games played or penalty minutes or B, have contributed in a significant way. Like, are, are we at the point where the Leafs organization or any other organization feel like if 
we don't do it, yeah. someone's going to call us out right. on Oh, they didn't Engvall. give a Pierre Engvall. They didn't do a Dubis so, one. To me, no. to, this makes the Dubis one look like not doing it all the more petty. Yeah. You're going to give Engvall one, but you're not going to give so Dubis one? So if we're going to do one? it on popularity, Engvall? Like, is it a like thing? Like, this guy's like, the hall was kind of liked a bit? I got to tell you, boys, we're I was all a, liked. Yeah, well, you're with fine. the exception you're of okay. Dubis. Yeah, right. <laughs> we're all liked. I draw the absolute line at Pierre Engvall. I, that was absurd. I, I, I am so offended they did it. I, I Guys truly can't believe seventh, it. seventh, played like 200 games. Yeah, no big moments. Four, four points in 17 playoffs games. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can honor a guy with four points in 17 playoffs games, you got to do it. Oh, my God. So Sorry I, to. No, derailed it's, the conversation. it's absurd they did it. I'm sorry, Lise, but it's absurd. Clearly, it, it, it juiced him up for the game-winning goal then. There you They're go. embarrassing he, themselves. <laughs> he was emotionally invested. He went to the blue paint where he found a hockey puck, which he doesn't do a lot. Snapped a 13-game goal as Trout. That's first, nice. First point in nine. That's nice. So, you know my thoughts. They're very well documented on Pierre Engvall. I don't think anybody's coming here being surprised by that. Yeah. But that's... You know, doing this show every day, like regular season, you get a little bit more disconnected in terms of like the passion and love. That one hurt a lot. Watching Pierre Engvall get the game winner. When that one slid slid underneath uh, Ilya Samsonov, I I legitimately looked away. (laughs) No, (laughs) that wasn't eighteen. Yesterday on our show, we did have a an early conversation on coming out so quickly from the All Star game. Mm -hmm. And whether we're going to see rust or rest. What did you see last night, JB? You know, I thought the guys were pretty good. Even the the stars that played over the All-Star weekend, I thought Marner had his legs. I thought, you know, we saw some rest from Tavares and Nyes, which I actually predicted on yesterday's show. Mm-hmm. thought they both looked really good. Uh, Matthews Nealander, I, th- I thought the guys looked good, to be honest. They created a ton of chances. Sheldon Keefe's going to say in one of these clips that, you know, that's a game we could have, should have won sort of thing. And I agree. I outchanced the Islanders and should have won that game. That would be clip number one. Would you like to hear his concise thoughts on it? I would love that. Thank okay. you. I thought we played well enough to win, but did just enough to lose. And that's that's why you lose games. <laughs> just right. enough to lose. Thanks for coming, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's been the show. You replay that game ten times, you probably win nine of them. Okay, I'm sorry. Was that a clip from last night? Yes. Because I've... I've seen this scenario probably five or six times this year. Yeah. Winnable games that they find a way to lose. Yeah. And so you, it was from last night, correct? Yes. It could have been from a number of losses this year. And the theme to me is that when it's tight, I don't trust this team's defense goaltending combo. I just don't feel good about it. They have too many guys that make brain farts on their own end, and I don't trust the goaltending to come up with big saves. Last night was one of those things. They get in their own zone. It's just like, oh, uh, there it is. And that's... That's what kills you about the go-ahead goal. <laughs> Engvall shooting it in the net. Mm-hmm. It's not like it was your fourth line caught out there against their top guys. It's Riley, your, Brody, it's one of your, Bertuzzi, it's your, Tavares, one of your best Neal. lines caught out there. And we went over the goal multiple times. Watch it before you come on here. Multiple breakdowns from all some of your top guys. Riley and Brody, your top pair, and you don't trust them in that situation. It's like, boy, it's just. A very soft play. What'd you see? A very <laughs> soft play. All around, eh? Listen, Brody continues to have trouble here, and I don't know if it's just he's lost that much of a step, 
but everything's a little slower for him. Mm-hmm. And I, I did not like, and as Sammy said, we, we watched the play, the game-winning goal multiple times. I didn't like the fact that that Brody went to Morgan and Morgan was not in the best position to receive you think the play. Brody put him in a bad spot? If Morgan would have got there quicker, if Morgan would have had his toes up the ice, yeah. he was actually facing the glass and had to kind of adjust to the point where he didn't have enough time. This is on a D to D behind on the net. On a D to D behind. So did Brody make the right play and, and, and Morgan was just too slow or, or too lazy? I don't know which one of the two you want to say to get to that spot or did Brody put him in a position there that he just didn't have enough time to, mm-hmm. to make the, the right play. Cause Morgan is taking a lot of heat for that today, yeah. yeah. but I'm not sure Brody put him in the best position. So Brody doesn't put him in a great spot. Morgan doesn't do anything good with it. He tries to one touch it up the wall to Willie who, you know, the, the pass gets picked off. Um, and I believe it's Nelson who cuts underneath Willie and makes the seam pass for the one timer there. But then Willie leaves he leaves. He starts leaving the zone. Like you know, after the shot, he's going to get a breakaway pass. Two minutes left in two-two game, mm-hmm. and he's not able to get back to the slot as the weak side wing for the one timer. The you know that happens before Engvall taps it in the net. So you've got a soft play from Riley, Nylander rushing up the rink. You know, I'd like to see Tavares lower. It's just a bad. Well, bad you, you know score. how I felt about Willie blowing the zone for a long time now, mm-hmm. and last night. I've stopped blaming Willie. Coach. Coach. Yeah. That is not Willie doing whatever Willie wants. That's Sheldon and his system. Yeah. Oh, you think? So they do weak side, like push the pace or whatever, where the weak side winger will fly the zone. They try to chip it out. And so the idea being that even if you don't get the puck, it pushes the opposing D back and you've got more room underneath to make a breakout. Willie's told to go. Yeah. And... I grew up in the era where you don't leave the zone until the puck leaves the zone. Same. Yeah. I, I knew, you know, Babcock used to do this too, where he wanted his weak side guys to go. But, like, it's, it's got to be situational. It, it can't it, be all game yeah, states. You're right. And you have to have players intelligent enough to, to, to read the tea leaves here. Like we've turned the puck over. We are on defense. <laughs> you yeah. know? So, that... Yeah, that that bothered a lot of I think a lot of Leaf fans last night watching that uh, that game winning goal that should have at the very least given the Leafs a point. Yeah, if we, not a, a, an excellent chance at two. And yeah. you you mentioned it with the things like happening and the like things that have happened over and talking about different games. It feels like the same game. You know, there's two. They win the game three two, and there's two really bad mistakes that lead to two of the goals and they end up losing by one. Yeah. You know, like it's hard, not often that you can just come in and talk about the exact moments where you lose a hockey game. So true. But these, these mistakes. And at some point you have to answer the questions of why these mistakes constantly happen. Is it personnel, which I'm definitely willing to have the conversation with because boys that lineup last night looking pretty thin in the bottom half of the, of the forward group. And we know what, what the defense is it coaching it's a systems. Like, they just make way too many mistakes like this. 
We've got a, a number of clips on this. We have the breakdowns that led to the goal, confidence in the decor, and we well, have Sheldon on the, the one that you added play, late. Play the clip two, Keith clip two on, so you can kind of get a tone of how he felt about that breakaway goal that gave him the lead. This is the National Hockey League. <laughs> Keep that clip. Like, that's peewee stuff. That's nothing to do with the season or anything like that. You play on the power play in the National Hockey League, they should not get behind you coming out of the penalty box. The National Hockey League. Like, that's peewee stuff. Is he... There's a drop, uh, There's just, a drop by the way. I yeah. know, but it's it's a, it's a great soundbite for us, first of all. Oh, big <laughs> and, and one we're going to keep for a very long time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Already clipped by Derek Br- yeah, Brandale. Uh, but, like, this is where I, I, I need somebody in the media to say, like, what? What? Was Pee-wee like? Was it Lilligren not knowing? Was it the the goalie Samsonov not banging his stick? Remember that one when of we were kids? Of course, I do. Of yeah. course. Hey, did, someone's did coming out. Doing that? I feel like I still happens. Every rink plays like a sound now. I, I, yeah. I, I didn't but... hear him slapping his no, stick. I didn't, either. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't hear him yelling at Lilligren. Man coming out. Yeah, but. Lilligren was completely out to lunch. He's playing left D like there's two D on the ice. Like you just came over the boards for the one D that was on the ice. You're in the middle. You're not playing a side. And that, he that's held, stuff. It was. And he was even like creeping in aggressively. It was really bad. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, are you good with that? Because I want to get into now. Sammy mentioned it on his little checklist is coaching. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Yeah. This was coming off a Simone Benoit fight, which I absolutely loved. Like, Love the come f- hit attempt, the fight, the four-on-four four goal. I don't want to get too off topic on, on coaching, but Benoit was their best defenseman last night. I was thinking on, on my drive in, I was like, I think he might be my favorite non-Riley <laughs> man. Well, Bungus asked where he ranks in the popularity last night. At least talking like, I don't know, like third? <laughs> like, <laughs> like way high. Yeah. He was their best defenseman last night. So he ends up with a huge hit on Barzell that got the attention of Bo Horvat. You take Bo Horvat off the ice, like win-win. Oh, yeah. And you draw the instigator. And you draw a penalty. So... Marner gets the four-on-four goal, which was all but five or seven seconds off the draw. Nasty shot. Mm -hmm. And then you have a minute and 55 maybe of a full power play. And this is going back to what I've been saying before, is that the entitlement of um, Austin Matthews to think that he can take all two minutes up. There was a couple of opportunities off of a lame offside mm-hmm. on your power play where they had no momentum and there's about 53 seconds on the clock. Sheldon's going to leave his big boys out there. And now you go run the 50 seconds left. You got uh, Morgan Riley and Martyr off of a change with about 10 seconds to go. And Austin, who was the MVP hero during the weekend, wants to be the MVP hero on this last rush 
and turns the puck over. Like, come on. Like, that's peewee stuff. That's peewee stuff. <laughs> what a, Derek, what a great drop, drop in. The, the craziest Monty. part about the second power play unit is that it's not bad. It's good. They have good players that can have a proficient second unit. Pull them off the ice with about 50 seconds to go. A minute seven is plenty of time. It's a long shift, in fact. And the other thing, too, is Austin's tired. They're yeah. tired. They're, they're, they're dragging their tongues to gain the zone. Yeah. Matthews, you would never see that fresh legs coming off a shift, that, that lame turnover that led to the breakaway. Mm-hmm. But why are you putting him in a position to fail, Sheldon? And... He mentions it, so um, in the breakdown clip there, he talks about it, and he mentions, if you want to hear the clip. I want to yeah. hear the clip. Okay, we'll, we'll play that clip then. Uh, clip number well, there's, seven. There's, there's a number of breakdowns on the whole, the entire power play in general, you know, so there's there's other pieces there. It's not it's not just Lily. It's 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 recognizing where to put the puck late in the power play. It's recognizing where you're at in your shift and and all those types of things, you know. I made a decision that on that particular power play. It was, it was at about a minute into the power play. I kept our tough guys out there, and, that, and it was our third face-off uh, that we had and third stoppage of play uh, within the first minute. So I thought our guys had some energy to stay out there. All of a sudden, now you don't break out, and so now you're now you're getting in real late in your shift. So we didn't get in, and then, and then we didn't manage it well from there. Um, as a fresh defenseman coming on the ice, you have a responsibility for a guy coming out of the box uh, to, to know that, and uh, we didn't manage that well. But certainly there's things uh, there that uh, everybody has to own, including myself. Okay. Uh, give him full credit for that last comment it's of including clip. myself. It's a fantastic <laughs> clip. Well, I was like, right? It, we're talking about this. I'm like, kind of dog exactly about yeah. Yeah. Good. And I, I'd never heard that clip yeah. before, and uh, yeah. I, I give him full credit for at least owning it, but... Right? He, thought, like he's he been... thought they had enough energy to stay on. He thought wrong. The other lesson there is what was the goal just before the All-Star game where he's yelling at them two effing minutes as they get scored on or whatever? Yeah, the like, two on, it wasn't even a goal. Was it, against... it was the 2-0 on against the Jets That's where right. Samsonov makes like three amazing saves and then he benches and it's them for... another end-of-shift Matthews turnover. Yes. And he benches them for two power plays. Yeah. Now the second unit you know, so... just 10 seconds Have we learned our lesson? Play? On the long PP1 yeah. shifts here. That, that to me is like you can own up to it as much as you want, Kipper, like you said. But Stop just, doing it. Yeah, like own up to it and be like, hey, I am the head coach of the hockey team. Yeah. Stop it. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the biggest issue he may have, Sheldon, is that habits are hard to break. Big time. Like Fair. this is not a, it's not something that just started. This has been going on for years. Mm-hmm. We have a bunch of relevant things. There's more on the decor and on Lilligren as well, and on how often these guys are showing up. Um, any preference there, Sam? Haven't listened through those. Um, what do we just play? Yo, know, do you care about? You want? Play, yeah, play the the Lilligren clip. It's yep. a good. It's a good snapshot of where he's at. We can go off the decor on that. Well, the message is just, you know, stay with him. Well, he's a good player. He's played very well for us um, over his time here. And even, even last night into the game, he, there's a number of good things he did for us uh, in the game. So it's just more embrace those things, focus on those things. Um, you know, he's, he's a young guy. I thought he's taking big steps in his game. 
you know, over the last year and then coming into this year, there's an expectation all of a sudden. You're not just a young guy uh, uh, that's kind of finding his way, but for us, he's an established NHL player that's looking to take on more. And that hasn't gone as well as, as uh, he would expect or we would have hoped, uh, but doesn't mean that he's still not doing good things, capable of good things. That's a crazy clip to me that he says that it hasn't gone as well as we would have hoped. You know, he's 175 games into his NHL career. This is year part of four or five here for Lily. What is he at this point? Hey, they're hoping he's a top four guy. They've been treating him like a top four guy for the last year and a half. What would you say? Yeah. He's playing ni- years, 1903 yeah. a night. That's, that's legit top four minutes here. Yeah. And there's times when he's struggling. Do we go back to the high ankle sprain here? Even if he's lost five or ten percent of where he normally would be skating wise that could be enough to 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 point the direction that he's not he's not playing well yeah but kip if he's within five or ten percent and it makes him ineffective you're not good like what is he at his best oh he's okay you know what i mean like this is lilligren for me is on a on a very good contending team he's He's a four, five, or six. Like he could step in and give you some key minutes, well, but that's what he is here. Well, should be five or six. Yeah, I. On a on a we've very good had team. this problem. So fine, we've had this problem every year with with Lilligren through the season. He had some really good stretches of play last year. At Look at the, the start, analytics at the start of seasons. Yes, and you're like, oh, he's eating up his minutes, his third pair of minutes. He he deserves more. He's doing great in these minutes. Check out his uh, Corsi numbers, all his expected goals number. It's all really good. And then he gets the playoffs, and you go, what is the situation where he goes on the ice? Because there has to be one. Is it power play, penalty kill, protecting a lead, chasing a lead? There's not really a place where it's like that's a Lily moment. And then you get to the playoffs, and he watches. He's come out. He's come out, and it's no different right now for me. He's the same guy where yeah. he's not going to play in playoffs looking like this. So, I don't know. Do you do what you did with Sandine? You flip him for a pick for someone who wants him and turn that pick into someone who's a different role for you? I don't know, but... You can't make... You can't weaken your blue line anymore. <laughs> you can't trade Lilligren no. for a pick. I mean, they traded Sandine for a first, and you can use and that for... Yeah, and, and Gustafson. Gustafson. You know, that's... Probably not going to find a trade that nice. Yeah, but I don't know. I I know what you're saying you don't have enough legitimate NHL D, yeah. and and he is one. But, but I I have definitely am kind of getting sick of doing the same thing every year. Yeah. Where it's like I'm supposed to be kind of excited, and he has a good start to the year. And this year is different, right? Because he gets a pretty bad injury, high ankles, tough to come back from. I understand yeah. that, but it just feels like it's Groundhog Day. That it well, starts off hot, and then we kind of go in the opposite direction. So the other thing too is. Like he's he's always been prone to a very bad mistake. Yeah, he's he's known to toss him. I think he had a late giveaway too. Prior to that lame D to D off the Engvall goal, there was a there was a pretty bad giveaway by him. Yeah, I'm just searching my own name and Lilligren turnovers. I think I wrote an article on this, like in playoffs, like his he's had some big. Yes. Moments where you're like, oh no, like yeah. that's the one we can't make against Florida, actually. But if there's a if there is a guy that if there's a team out there that wants to take a chance on him mm-hmm. and they'll give you back like a serviceable D man of some kind that does a different thing, 
maybe it's not you're not adding or subtracting. You're just kind of equal just sign. looking for something different. To me, that's what that's what Benoit. He's bringing. He's the only guy so, that he does something completely different than everybody else in the decor. Yeah, and that's so why he, he looks has so good. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. issue with that is, and we heard it in Sheldon Keefe's clip. He thinks he's way better than he's shown. And the problem to trade that is that the team that's going to potentially take him, they don't feel the same way. Yeah. So, you know, the, the balance of, of what you think you can get mm-hmm. and what the team's actually thinking that they get are, like, different different planets. It's just sitting here today that neither Sandine or Lilligren have turned into, like, a top four, second pair, really like this guy, trust him on the second pair guy, has, has hurt the Leafs a little bit. Uh, do we want to go into leaning on the top guys again? I mean, did we touch on that with the, the yeah, low we, lengthy shift we, here? Did, did he say anything well, that, that stood out for well, you? He, just, he was just breaking it down and talking about how hard they had to lean on him because of how much Barzal was playing and the other top guys were playing so much. But I just thought it was a bigger conversation just looking at the depth. Yeah, okay, yeah. so let's, let's have a quick listen okay. to it, please. Yeah. Number three. I had to lean on our top guys a lot here tonight, you know, as they were doing on the other side and the guys out of our lineup here tonight and your depth takes a hit and, and Barzell's playing, playing a lot here tonight. And when he was out there, he was, he was uh, in control of things um, for the most part, but especially if there's times when I was trying to get a mismatch somewhere else with our guys. And if it wasn't Matthews against Barzell, like the ice was tilted in the wrong direction. So we ended up having to lean on our guys a lot. Um, yeah, as a, as a result of some of those some of those top end guys. Yeah, but he he leans on them every night. He does. So it's not just tonight. And Barzal played twenty three minutes. Twenty three minutes. Yeah, and no other forward played over twenty for the Islanders. Barzal not is even close. Not like not even close. No, no. Uh, Horvat almost had twenty. Did he? Nineteen. Yeah, you're right. Nineteen forty-one. The next highest isn't seventeen minutes. Your top three forwards were in the ballpark of twenty-four, twenty-five minutes. Yeah, that's a big swing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you're loved, left loved Barzal last night. Then, then you're left with once again Domi at like nine or ten minutes, and yeah, ten forty-eight. It's just it it can it always looks the same. Yeah, JB. Yeah, a little lopsided. Um, no doubt about that. What did you think of Ilya Samsonov last night? I think uh, Sheldon's comments kind of run parallel with Samsonov, where he was he was good enough to lose. Yeah, yeah. He was just good enough to lose. Goaltending in a nutshell, right? Yeah. I thought he battled hard. Mm-hmm. I think he didn't look very good early but battled hard to give them a chance to come out of it with a point or two. Uh, he, on the first goal, who was it that shot it? Barzell passed it to, forget who shot it. Somebody hammered it. Yeah. And it looked like the, I keep referencing Columbus, but I'll just say it, Columbus Sammy, mm-hmm. where he goes flying across, puck hits the post. And, like, I know he's trying to, but he's way out of the net, and Barzell just got to tap in, right? And you're like, yeah. oh, boy, here well, we go. shoot the puck. Pardon? I can't remember. One of the Strums, Holmstrom, Holmstrom. Yeah, yeah. I thought, yeah. Anyways, he hit it hard. Slammed it by him, hits the post, but he's way out of position. You're like, oh, is it going to be a sliding night? Is it going to be a swimming night? And then he kind of gets it back. It just feels like there's portions of both guys in every game I watch of him. 
Like, so he's been better. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I was just, the chances last night. The Islanders, according to Sport Logic, they had twelve total chances, only four of which were grade A's. You know, you give up three on that. That's about maybe what you would expect. But at the end of the day, you know, the Leafs had 26 chances, you know, six great A's against the Islanders last night. And it just looked to me like you, their goalie just played better. Yeah, you're the second best goalie. You're the second best goalie by miles. I thought Sorokin was unbelievable last night. The chances the Leafs had in the final mm-hmm. couple of minutes and, and throughout the bulk of the game, really tough to put it past that guy. And the Leafs have a goalie who is fine. He was fine. But it's not that tough uh, compared to the best. The guys. McLean goal and then... The game Plain winner. Marchanded his knee again. Remember Marchand <laughs> hurt him with the fake, with yeah. that same move? Yeah. I just, sometimes when I see a goalie just ending up on his stomach, it just doesn't look like it was no. the right way to finish. He throws him hard. Right? <laughs> yeah. It was a, I, I, you know, it's a guy who's plays in the NHL making a great breakaway deke, but he does bite. He's pretty susceptible to that pump fake, yeah. for sure. That first early one. Yeah. Yeah. Freeze his feet. But I, I, you know. I hate killing goalies on breakaways. They're NHLers yeah, well, on a breakaway. You're, you're, you're right. You're not going to blame them there. But ozone possession time and all that. The Leafs had controlled every facet of play overall. Good yeah. enough to once again go back to them tomorrow night against the Dallas Stars. For me, anyways. Yeah. What are your he thoughts? Didn't lose the opportunity. If we're trying to get him right as an organization, then sure. Go play Dallas now. The problem is. You know, you've played Seattle, who's a toothless offense. Winnipeg, who was without their offensive players. The Islanders are a toothless offense. And Dallas is not. This feels like it's, like, gotten progressively harder yeah. as it's going on here. Yeah. And now we're heading into, by far, his stiffest test. Yeah. Dallas is very good. And they've been hot. They've won three in a row. You know, they're plus 32 goal differential. They're, like, they're a real team, second in the central. Goals for points. per game. Uh, it's Canucks, Colorado, Dallas in the NHL. They're ahead of Edmonton. So the test will stiffen. If the thought was on John Tavares that there's no Leaf player that needed a break longer, I think he showed better. Oh, yeah. For sure. Last night. He looked really good. And Nyes, too. Both guys, I thought, were all over it, creating stuff. When Nyes is good, the good version of him turns pucks over. He he hunts him on the four check. He creates for his line mates. Uh, I don't know how much. Yeah, listen, the body the body going in there and opening up some lames are creating. And he, and he turned one over. But he hit Matthews in the slot. I, like he. I just still don't see enough uh, creativity in his game to to really add a layer to the big boys, other than getting hard yeah. in on a four check. It's just not there, guys. Asking too much of him. If you had, like you've mentioned this from the start, and you've been on this from the start, but it's just like yeah. Dude, he's a kid at a college playing on the top line, and I, I push back against you on that. But it just feels like it's a pretty overwhelming role that he has to play for this he's team. He's a power forward for in sure. the NHL who can probably score 30 in the league at yeah. some point, but he's not See, there yet. I'm I, dialing it back? Well, I, yeah, I'm kind of dialing it back on the one day being a 30-goal scorer. Like, listen, I, I scored a lot of goals in junior hockey. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I suffered a couple of injuries that may have played a part on maybe slowing my game down. But college, Mm -hmm. NHL, junior, NHL, American Hockey League, NHL, man, oh, man, that may be sometimes a shift for a guy that he never, ever hits what was once projected. I'm not sure. So they should have traded him. I'm not (laughs) sure how smart of a goal scorer he is. So I totally... 
and I'm not pushing back on that argument in the slightest bit. I, there are guys, Jimmy Vesey is a good example out of college, where you're like, oh, it's just not there for him. There's too much to me with Nyes' game. I like his skating. I do too. I really like his skating. I like his size. I like his shot. Like, I like his ability to find I'm not, it. I'm not jumping off the bandwagon yeah. on this kid. I, I, I see it with you. Yeah. So, like, I, I agree with you. I don't think Nyes, that's going to happen to Nyes. But I do think that this season, he's probably best as your second-line guy who you're not expecting for huge offensive contributions from. And then you have a game in the playoffs where he's great and he wins yeah. you one. And, you know, that's about it. We got a break? Yeah, we got a break. I think he was on the ice for three of the Leafs overtime winners last year. Yeah, he can do some good things. Anyways, we should break. Okay. Pay pay for some uh, pay some bills with some commercials here. When we return, Mike Fuda, Stanley Cup winning executive with the LA Kings, will join us. More Leaf talk on this edition of Real Kipper and Born after the break. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee. All right, let's bring in a guy that knows something about building a championship team. He did it with the Los Angeles Kings executive. Were you executive of the year back then, Foots? Um, according to my mom, yes. <laughs> I, was Any, I was executive of the year in the Ontario Hockey League, never in the National Hockey All right. League. But Dean, Lomb- Dean Lombardi was, so my boss was. Well-deserved. Well, you're still young, for sure. <laughs> hey, um, we're just talking, of course, uh, about the Toronto Maple Leafs and you know, a guy like Matthew Nyes. Come out of college as one of the best players uh, out of the NCAA. Lots of talk, lots of hype, and finds himself in in pretty good situations playing with the the best players on on the Toronto Maple Leafs. And yet sometimes, you know, you find yourself a little un- underwhelmed uh, by him. But you know, for for your eye, being an executive all these years, how do you? When do you determine when a player is what you think he might become? Is is it's way too early to to define what this guy's going to end up being? Would you agree with that? Yeah, that's a great point, Kipper. And he was, as I said, he was probably my best two, three live viewings I had ever had in college hockey. Like you could just tell that the Leafs had hit a home run in the second round because they didn't have a lot of picks to play with. But my biggest concern with him was sometimes you see a power forward at the college level and you wonder if it's going to translate when the cage comes off because um, he does play a physical game. And I mean, I agree with everything that uh, Borny had said too, about his, uh, his size and everything about him reeks, you know, pro and the kind of pro that you want. But um, I think it's just that consistency factor that you have to realize that the college schedule is all he's ever played. And I think even he admitted that um, he was just exhausted. And I think, you know, internally when you just can see it on a much more consistent basis, I know the first time we called up Tyler Toffoli, um, Daryl really grinded him out and you could tell he wasn't ready. He went back down and the next time we called him back up, you knew he wasn't going anywhere. All the little things that was asked to work on were now ironed out of his game now. And in Nice's situation, I don't think he's really been given that time to go down to the minors and work on his game. He's just been thrust in with the big boys. So I think it's just going to take patience. But when you see that same consistency, and I think you said it last week, Kipper, if he could uh, see that physicality, I know we fought once, see that a little bit more consistently. I think that's going to round out his game as well. 
Futz, I think we have a, a hard time putting words to the idea of like these demon who make the big mistake, who can be good or whatever, but just have these moments where they make the big glaring error that kills you. And I feel like the Leafs have some of those guys. They do, you know, Jake McCabe, really good defenseman, but he has these moments, right? Even Morgan, who's the team's best demon, has these moments. Lilligren has them. When you were with the Kings and you guys were winning cups, did you have some of that, those guys? Can you win in the playoffs with some guys that are going to have some brain farts? Really, we didn't. I guess at times, Willie Mitchell tried to do a little bit too much. Yeah. He'd be the only one, but he was so high level that I was other parts of his game that it didn't hurt. But it scares me, Borny, that you just said there's multiples. Oh, sure. <laughs> that's, that's never a that's never a, a sign of uh, good things on a championship blue line, and I don't think any of us here think that that's a championship blue line. Right. Again, I agree so much with what Kipper said about you know you'd hope by now you see some of these teams that are churning out their own homegrown defensemen that you're just drooling over like. Somebody talking about Nemish, I think, is a kid's name in New Jersey. And mm-hmm. and you see that it's been a factory of homegrown defense, but in Los Angeles. So the fact that the Leafs are still kind of at this stage of the game wondering what Lilligren is. And, you know, they've moved on from Sandine. These are all the guys that we were expecting to, you know, being here about as hometown guys that were top four guys. And they and they haven't really panned out. We're talking to Mike Fuda, executive with the L.A. Kings, won Stanley Cups there. Does a terrific job on Sportsnet and our show. Futz, is, is the danger for... For, for for scouts or GMs is to, uh, like Sammy mentioned, do you move Lilligren for maybe a draft pick? We saw Sandine go, but is the danger that you, you move them too early and the name uh, Forsling in Florida, oh, yeah, Carolina. Who's, who's turned into an unbelievable player, but nobody thought of anything at the time when he was playing, uh, you know, earlier with Chicago, turns out to be the stud. I mean... Th- how, how does that feel as, as a as a general manager or scout when you see a team give up on a player only to see him be great somewhere else? Well, I'll give you another one, and it's Los Angeles Kings. Uh, Richard Cernak, we took in the second round, and our guys really struggled um, with his development pattern. And the one thing that we learned with him was he's smiling all the time, and we thought he understood English. So he had no clue what we were saying. And they just thought that he wasn't prepared to do the work. And there was a huge gap in the, and one day he woke up and we found out that he'd flown back home because his dad said he was really frustrated. And, and instead of kind of taking the time, it was one of those ones that we were so kind of upset at him leaving without talking to us that we, we should have done a hell of a lot more due diligence before we shipped him off. And he wasn't a throw into the deal because we always knew he was a good player, but uh, we, he was a secondary piece and us picking up, oh, somebody's going to help me out. We picked up the big goaltender for a stretch run um, who ended up, you know, quick he'd been hurt, and we brought him in, and I, his name escapes me, but we didn't make the playoffs. And Richard Cernak's got two more Stanley Cups. So yet, yet to answer the question, Kipper, yeah. you got to be really careful about what you give up. And the other thing is, we as scouts, you always love your own guys. Like, nobody leaves the draft thinking mm-hmm. you did a crappy job. Like, it's like... You fall in love with your own players, which is dangerous. The key is trying to find other teams to fall in love with them. And if you've got guys, if you're on a, if whatever, 500 or 600 team, and you've got guys that you can't fit into your own lineup and you're struggling, it's hard to convince other guys that they're going to be the answer for their team. So I think in particular, when we talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, they stuck to their guns and never moved Matthew Nyes. Well, how many other guys in their farm system just 
are going to get teams excited to fill the holes that this team has. And that's, that's something I don't know, but I'm not hearing a lot of, you know, the kid that, uh, the kid in the, or the world juniors there that everybody was talking about the beginning of the year didn't do himself any favors, the world juniors, although I certainly wouldn't give up on him. But if you're going to give up something to get something, you really, you got to be sure. You got to really be sure. And we did, we definitely, Kipper, we talked earlier about the defenseman in Los Angeles. You got to be really sure what you move on from. So you would have spent time interacting with Brad Tree Living um, as a manager yourself. What do you expect his activity level to look like uh, about one month away from the the trade deadline here? Exceptionally active. Yeah, uh, I, Brad's a good friend. Um, I if if you I mean he's an tireless worker. He um, he doesn't always call back. <laughs> I know that he calls everybody else back. Uh, I just think he does what's right for his team. You saw, you know, he had a tough situation there in Calgary um, where he had to move on from uh, Goudreau for nothing, which is dangerous uh, and a, a lesson to be learned, even with the current Calgary staff that we talked about. And then obviously what he had to try and make the best out of what he was getting back for Tuchuk. Now you see what he's brought in in Toronto. They haven't all panned out to the, to the way he'd hoped. I mean, it's strange sometimes you move on from a guy like Michael Bunting, who did have good chemistry with that top line and is at a decent number. And now you're trying to find somebody with that kind of experience to fill that hole um, with the new guys, which they seem to consider moving. But I would expect Brad, I would expect Brad to be on the phone constantly. I don't know if there's assets for him to make a huge move. Um, I guess Samsonov, I know he's been playing a little bit better, so that might alleviate some goaltending concerns if he can get some consistency and Wall gets back. But they're going to have to add something to that blue line. And I don't know if they have the bullets to do it. Maybe it's just a guy like, uh, and there's some teams, there's guys out there that aren't, there's big shiny thing, but maybe, you know, I didn't mind Lubushkin and his sort stay with the Leafs as a kind of last pairing guy with a little bit of grit. He's probably going to be available for Anaheim. Um, but there's there's got to be some movement out there, whether I can't see Calgary being easy for him to deal with. I don't think they want to get washed to deal with their ex-boss. And I'm right. sure their own Calgary's probably doubling the prices on a guy like a Tanev, but Brad will do his due diligence. And I think I'd be willing to give a little bit more for a defenseman like Tanev, not only because of the fit, but because of being local and the fact that it'd be a pretty easy signing for him to finish his career as a Toronto Maple Leaf. So he's not just a rental. Your big goalie that you couldn't remember, Ben Bishop. Thank you very much. That's how memorable it was. <laughs> we didn't make the playoffs. No ben. And Benny was great, and it wasn't yeah. his fault. But, I mean, we didn't. We, we gave up, a, I believe it was a first or second round pick in Richard Cernak, and we didn't make the playoffs. So that's when you better be looking up at a couple of banners already or you're going to be looking at an unemployment line when you pull a deal like that. But fortunately, we had had some success, and uh, that was a, a year we should have just backed away from the card table because you know, we did have a couple cups, but we just once you're on that roll, you just don't want to give up the push. Poots, uh, all, the majority of the teams that I know probably already had their professional scouting meetings, right, where they all have gotten together. But what's it like coming out of an all-star break to the, the trade deadline in, in terms of uh, the pressure on, on certain guys now? It's a grind. Like, it's an absolute grind, and there's so many teams still in it. And you look at some teams that just didn't expect to be where they're at. And, I mean, I, 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 mean, I think of a team, obviously, like the Kings, who uh, under I know it must be just killing Blakey to have to move on from Todd McClellan with the start that they had because not only of their professional relationship but their friendship. Uh, there's pressure there, and I mean, uh, you're going to have to give up. And Blakey likes to do his work early. 
uh, as I see quietly these teams that have done it, like you see Vancouver get some nice business done early and then quietly Monaghan gets done early. So these teams are going to have these guys not for only after, but they're going to have them for an extra month than these other guys. So you might have to give up a little more to get something done quickly. So it'll be fun to watch. But I mean, I look at a team like Pittsburgh with Gensel, right? Like that's going to be, imagine telling Sidney Crosby the season he's having that they're moving his left winger. So it'll be a grind, that's for sure. But a lot of guys want to get their work done early, which usually results in having to overpay a little bit. One more uh, quickly, because we're running out of time here, Foots. But just uh, you mentioned the, the, the coaching change in Los Angeles. If if the Leafs continue to to watch games where they're they're blowing points, uh, is 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 an option a coaching change here in Toronto as well to jolt the team if if a big trade or or any type of roster movement isn't available? I think it's always on the table. I mean, not just in Toronto, but definitely in Toronto. And that's not I'm I'm a I know Sheldon very well, and I know I mean he's a guy nobody is going to outwork him, but. If the team consistently, like that, that game last night, I mean, it was great to come in and win with Justin Bieber coaching your team and stuff like that. But, <laughs> I mean, that's a huge, there's a big difference when you've got the Islanders who've been floundering a little bit. The difference between being six points away from you and four points away from you with a little bit of momentum is huge. So you can't have these nights where you're saying, you know, we relied on our top guys, but we weren't really, everybody's got to get on board. You're you're hearing the same press conferences with, uh, not excuses, but, talking about the same problems have been there for a few years. And I mean, unfortunately, again, in Los Angeles, there was a move made. Uh, the only thing I'd say is you've got a, I'm not a big fan of the assistant coach moving up in any position. I think mean, when I work for Barubi, but it doesn't always, especially when there's a completely different voice. Um, so it, it will be interesting that in this case, that would be just like sliding like a Boucher over. Um, if there's a change, I'd like to see, it'd be a prominent guy, whether it's a Joel Canville or, and, and hopefully they're, we're not even talking about, but it's somebody you know is going to make a difference. I always thought, and I mentioned this to you, Kipper, and I'm sure we run out of time, but I thought in LA there might be a Patrick Wall might be an answer there because of the relationship he had with Blakey. And, yeah. uh, and the, that and would the have French, been interesting. Well, the French connection there, that would have been interesting because Luke had played with them and, and Burge knows him as well, but you can't, you got to make sure you've got something you're comfortable, especially with the Leafs, with the pressure there is to win now. You better be sure what you're bringing in is going to make a difference. Um, and I, we talked about that at the goaltending position, but even more important, a change just to make a change would make no sense with this Leaf roster. They better be damn sure they're getting somebody. And that's why a Joel Campbell, to me, when you're talking about it, because now you're talking about a guy that's got Ooh. multiple multiple that, rings, been there, done that. That'd be a big one. For sure. Hey, Foots, great stuff, man. Really appreciate your time as always, man. Thanks, Foots. Thanks, my friends. Thanks, guys. Have Thanks, Sammy. Wow. Hey, Foots. <clears throat> Stat I put in the lineup today. Does this matter to you that the Leafs are 11, 10, and 2 at Scotiabank Arena? I mean, it matters. No, it's a bad, it's it's a bad stat. It's not good. It's a bad stat. It's just, oh, no, it's true. It's not bad. <laughs> I promise it actually is real. Just uh, someone sent me a, a stat on Matthew Nyes. One mm. shot or less in nine straight games. Five shots. Zero shots in 14 games played. One or less in 34 of 46. Not good. Wow, that's bad. How I are mean, you going to score if you don't shoot the puck? How are you going to you need to have but it. But listen, we could do this for everyone who's played in that top six. Yeah. Tyler Bertuzzi. I mean, look at his his output playing aside elite players too. It's it's been really big no good for everyone in those spots. They don't have an answer. I think I was like, could they get Bunting back? 
I think um, uh, I'm good. Hyman? Maybe just yeah, something okay. simple for Sheldon is if Bieber lends him his jacket next game. Oh, my God. Sheldon and Bieber's jacket would be hilarious. <laughs> I would love to. Gibber, you like that jacket? I never asked you yesterday. I feel like you could pull that one off. I thought he absolutely looked ridiculous. <laughs> I I'm gonna, think that was I'm, the point. I'm going to go ahead and say this. Love the jacket. You know, I, There's no scenario where I can wear yes. it. There's he, not a scenario. Does it not but come like Halloween? It. Does I it like, come? I like does it. it not come in boys' medium for him? <laughs> I think. Like, what's with the triple X? Do we know large? the cost of that jacket? No, he said who it was made by. Emily Kaplan interviewed him on the bench. There's no chance. And I forget less than a five thousand dollar coat. I was gonna say upwards. Yeah, like probably in the five to ten thousand dollar range. But I mean, not worth that. No, but some designer would have charged that. Uh, if I can quickly Either stand. way, love the coach. <laughs> if you're Justin Bieber, the only scenario that works perfectly is coaching an NHL All-Star game. Love it. You're never going to drown if you get pushed over <laughs> overboard. I just got $4,600 in my ear from Brandeo. Maybe he must have looked it up. It's impressive. That's Canadian? Well, I'm just, I, just, I just Googled J- Bieber's jacket, uh, and the first story that came up is GQ. Justin Bieber's gigantic coat, uh, coat was the talk of the All-Star game. How, there did you go. How did he get it through the tunnel? <laughs> That's what I want to know. He, he wore it on the plane on the way here. Wow. Uh, we have a lot of things to talk about still. From- we do, including eight games on tap tonight, five Canadian teams, including the Oilers and Vegas. My Knights, let's go. Sammy's Knights. All right. Louis DeBrusque, hockey analyst with Sportsnet Hockey Night in Canada. And Edmonton Oiler on their regional games will join us next. Our thanks to Mike Fuda. Plenty more on the Real Kipper and Bourne Show. Do not go away.